Wouldn't it be wonderful if? It's a phrase we use, don't we, for those things that lie just beyond our reach. Wouldn't it be wonderful if I could afford a house here in Los Angeles? Wouldn't it be wonderful if I got that perfect job that eludes me? Wouldn't it be wonderful if they could develop that medical treatment I need? Wouldn't it be wonderful? Yet we are aware that there are factors and forces in our world that cut that short. There are factors and forces that pull life out of us. Some years ago, in one of the churches I served, one Sunday morning, a long time uh, members of the church, a couple came in, and the woman came over to me and without even saying hello, said, Art and I have been to a funeral of a friend every day this week. That's the ultimate factor, isn't it? That's the thing that always denies in the end the wouldn't it be wonderful if. There are forces that are deadly, life-denying, humanity-killing at work among us. And yet, we still say, wouldn't it be wonderful? In today's Old Testament reading, we encounter Abraham. It's appropriate that on Father's Day we meet again the father of faith in one true God, the father of monotheism, if you will. We find him sitting at the door of his tent. I wonder what he was thinking about. I bet it went this way. Years and years and years before, God had encountered Abraham and said, If you will leave the land of your birth and go to a place I will show you, I will bless you. And the blessing will take the form of many descendants who will possess the land. I will go with you and I will protect you. And by your descendants, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. A wonderful, compelling promise. And Abraham went. Years passed. The promise was renewed again and again in divine encounters. And I suspect we find Abraham sitting at the door of his tent thinking, wouldn't it be wonderful if I could have a son? But I'm so old. And my wife is so old. Oh, we're done. At that point, three beings appear at Abraham's tent. And we see Abraham acting as the consummate host, laying on a lavish feast. As a side note, 
he asks the beings to take a seat under the shade of the great oak tree of Mamre. That's one of the places God had encountered Abraham years before and had renewed his promise. For Abraham, this was a sacred place. This was a holy place. This is where God appeared. As they finished the dinner, one of the beings said, uh, uh, Where is Sarah, your wife? Oh, she's in the tent. In due time, in the proper season, I will return and she will conceive and bear a son. Now Sarah, of course, had been eavesdropping. And with that word, she snorted out a laugh. Ha! Am I to have a child at this age? No way, but it would be wonderful if... And then the being said, in the great climax of the story, is anything too wonderful for God? If we were to skip forward a couple of chapters, we would hear about the birth of a son. And do you know what they named him? They named him Laughter in their language, Isaac. Is anything too wonderful for God? Well, what can we garner from this story? The story proclaims that nothing, not anything, nothing at all will stand in the way of God fulfilling God's promise and God's will. If God makes a promise, God keeps it. If God has an intent, God does it. You can count on it. You can bet your life on it. It will happen. The person who consolidates this and climaxes this is the descendant of Abraham, Jesus Christ. On the cross, we see Jesus encountering all of the forms of evil that you can imagine, and he embraces them and makes them his own. He takes them to the very heart of God, and he dies. And then comes the great thing. Is anything too wonderful for God? He is raised by the power of God in the third day, the victor over death and evil, and all that separates us from God. That's how committed God is to God's promises. And God's promises are always to bless us. So if we want to live into this, if we want to participate in this wonderful promise, we need to keep our focus on Jesus the one who is incarnate, the one who died, and the one who ra was raised again by God's power. For there we see God blessing humanity in its clearest form. Now, it's easy for us 
to lose that focus. I certainly do. I was Bishop of Montana for many years and of course frequently met with vestries and one of the things that I heard often was we want to grow. We want to grow. And then would follow stories of thus and such a church across town that seemed to be going great guns, but why aren't we doing that? And inevitably I had to ask the question, why? Why do you want to grow? Silence. Then some brave soul would always answer, because we need more people to pay the bills. Do you see it? They'd lost the focus. They had been captured by the evil of anxiety and worry and fear about money. That's why they weren't growing. The way we do this is to simply admit that we need to love Jesus. We love him because he first loved us, says 1 John. Or how about Adeste Fidelis that we sing on Christmas Eve? Who would not love him loving us so dearly? Indeed. Do you love Jesus? I mean, do you love Jesus? Now, for those people who know me, you will not find it a surprise that I admit that I have a depressive personality. If you want me to be effervescent, vivacious, and bubbly, you're going to be sorely disappointed. This is the way I have always been. Now, I'm one of those people, <clears throat> they, are, they are fewer and fewer in number. The first place I went after I was born was to church. I have always, in some way or another, loved Jesus. I have no big conversion story to tell you. But I knew that Jesus was there loving me. And yet all my dark thoughts, all my depression. A couple of years back, I had to have brain surgery. And my wife told the surgeon before I was wheeled into the surgery suite, she said, while you're in there, why don't you give him a new personality? It didn't work. Then, some time back, I was praying the Psalms, and I came across a verse in, in Psalm 18 that really changed my whole life. The verse says, The Lord has placed me in an open place because the Lord delights in me. Delights in me? Delights in me? 
Wouldn't that be wonderful? If it's true.